Good morning and greetings to those who are also joining us online. And I trust that the Lord has already spoken to us in many ways through the ministry of worship, music and prayer. And the Lord will continue to speak to us even as we open our hearts to Him. Now in this season of Advent, we want to embark on a journey of longing, a cry for renewal that resonates through the ages. And today we'll look at Isaiah chapter 64 verses 1 to 9. And this is a prayer a prayer for the restoration of God's presence among his people. Now Isaiah chapter 64 verses 1 to 9 expresses a heartfelt cry for God's intervention and restoration. And while it may not be a direct reference to the traditional Advent narrative, the themes within this passage are related to the Advent season, which is a time of reflection, anticipation, and preparation for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And today we'll explore some of these themes and see how they are connected to the Advent message. Now here are some key themes in Isaiah 64 verses 1 to 9. The desire for God's presence, the recognition of sin, and the need for redemption, the appeal for God's mercy, the metaphor of God as porter, and a hope for restoration. Church, as we gather in this sacred space, may our hearts be stirred by the words of Isaiah, which echoes the deep yearning for God's presence. So let's ask God to bless our time together as we commit this time to Him in prayer. God our Father, we thank you that your word in Scripture points to the gift of hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Thank you that the Old Testament is full of glimpses of your plan to redeem your people and restore them into a relationship with you. Today, may we understand how great your love is for us. For indeed, you are with us and nothing is too difficult for you. Thank you that Jesus came to give us a gift of eternal life through the salvation only you can give when we believe in your son Jesus repent of our sins, and confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father, for your immeasurable gift. And now as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, may we hear with joy your special word to each of us today. Speak, Lord, for we, your people, are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let me structure my sermon along these three words. The plea in verses 1 to 5, the plight, verses 6 to 7, and the promise, verses 8 to 9. In Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 to 5, we hear the plea for God's presence. And this is Isaiah's heartfelt cry for God's presence. Let's now listen to God's word, and I will be reading from the New International Version, Isaiah 64, verses 1 to 5. Verse 1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. 
Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for Him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? This is the word of God. Thanks be to God indeed. Now the opening verses express a deep longing for God to come down and reveal His presence. And this resonates with the Advent message, Advent season, during which Christians anticipate the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the embodiment of God's presence among humanity. You know, Isaiah moves from complaint in Isaiah chapter 63 to petition in Isaiah chapter 64. And he cries out to God in, in the heavens to come down to their aid. And the reason for his doing so has been noted throughout this part of the book of Isaiah. And that is that the nations may know the name of God. That the nations may know the name of God. That is, they might know exactly who God is, the sole sovereign of the universe. Friends, only when these nations see God, see God blessing and defending a transformed people, will they recognize Him appropriately. Now, God's actions in the past demonstrate that this petition is not based on fantasy. You see, whenever God manifested himself in the past, dramatic things occurred. From the passing of the Red Sea to the stopping of rain for three years. And unlike any of the other so-called gods, the Lord performed miracles, performed his miracles among, on behalf of his people. Now what was God like? What was God like, this God of the Exodus and the Sinai who revealed himself to his people? Friends, he was the God of the unexpected. He was the God of the unexpected. For in so many of the plagues, the ordinary, ordinary course of nature was interrupted. He was a unique God. For all other so-called deities, they are important. He was also a God of righteousness. A God of righteousness caring about the obedience of his people to his laws. And in short, God can act and he has acted. And friends, today you can ask God to act again. You can ask God to act again. Let us pause for a moment to picture the intensity of Isaiah's plea. Now picture the desperate cry, the desperate cry for divine intervention. Now this morning, what are you longing for? What are you longing for? You know, our world is marked by longings. Longing for the meaning of life. That's why we have the Alpha Course. Longing for hope. Longing for love. Church Advent invites us to express our deepest desires and to align them to God's desires. And I believe that many of us here, and I dare say all of us here, are longing for God's presence to be evident in our lives. 
Today you can cry out to God. Today you can cry out to God and you can pray for an encounter with God. You can ask God to help you to live in the light of His daily presence. Now God could easily deal with any problem. The question is, why should God intervene? Why should God intervene for sinners such as we? You know, in the Hebrew word, ancient times in verse 4 and continue in verse 5, they are the same word. God has continued forever, but so has sin. Isaiah knows that God can act, but he also knows that there are conditions for that to occur. And we see in verses 4 and 5, two conditions for God to act. Firstly, God acts on behalf of those who wait for Him. God acts on behalf of those who wait for Him. That is, those who put their trust in Him and not in their own devices. The Hebrew word for wait in verse 3 is the same word for the wait in Isaiah 40 verse 31 that all of us know so well. But they, they wait for the Lord shall Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now both Hebrew words refer to the patient, confident and expectant faith. A simple faith in unwavering trust in the divine promises. Friends, God still works for the one who waits for him. But this verse must not be taken out of context to support passive waiting. You know, the kind of person for whom God works in this wonderful way is specified. He is a man of prayer. He's a man of prayer, pleading with passion as Isaiah did. He is mindful of God's past mercies and he is certain that God can renew them. And this is confirmed by the paraphrase in verse 5, gladly do right. There is the moral requirement of doing right. And such a person's life reveals the moral standards of God, not with formal correctness, but with a joyous warmth of heart obedience. Gladly do right express an unchanging state covering both heart and life, and that is practical obedience. Friends, to remember his ways is not merely an intellectual awareness of God's character and expectations. Nor is it only to give intellectual accent to those matters. Rather, as Deuteronomy shows us, it is to live in accord with those ways. Now, sad to say, the people of God have sinned against God's ways. Now, while it is theoretically possible to petition God to break through the barriers of time and space and make them a righteous people, you know, their very unrighteousness prevents the petition from being heard. It is very important to note that the verbs sin and angry in verse 5, 
are in the perfect tense. It was God's fixed mind to be angry and ours to continue to sin. So the question is, how then can they be saved? In verses 6 to 7, we see the plight of men. Now, Isaiah doesn't shy away from acknowledging sin and brokenness. Listen to verse 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Now the word unclean speaks of unfitness for the fellowship of God and exclusion from God's people. And friends, this is our human condition. They are unclean that even the righteous things that they do are defiled and contaminated. And this underlies the Old Testament understanding that sin is an offense against the very nature of life, which finally must end in death and decay. And this thought is continued with the image of a, of a dead leaf swept away on a wind of sin. Now verses 6 to 7 present a many-sided doctrine of sin. Sin is a continual practice. It is defiling, it is destructive. Sin creates a barrier between God and man both from man's side, because we do not want to pray, and from God's side, because He will not hear us. But friends, it is God Himself who has determined that it shall have these results. And no wonder the people cry out, how then can we be saved? Now look at the relationship between sin and the absence of God's presence. Verse 7, no one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Friends, sin creates a barrier separating us from the fullness of God's manifestation. Now, the people could not have a living relationship with God as long as they continued to live lives that were contrary to God's holy character. Friends, life without a living relationship with God is the life of sleep. And because of all this, the Lord is alienated, hidden your face, and antagonized, made us waste. Friends, Advent calls us to repentance and spiritual renewal. So how is one's life to be lived out as a believer? Is it a matter of discipline and commitment? No. It is a matter of laying hold of God, of calling out, calling on His name. It is to be a living relationship with God of dependence on God and renunciation of self. Friends, when that is so, right behavior will follow. 
But if right behavior becomes the focus, that behavior quickly becomes self-serving and is reduced to nothing more than filthy rags. And so God's face cannot help but be hidden from such people and they are left to waste away in their sins. And this is the plight of men. We are wasting away in our sins because we won't turn to God. And we won't turn to God because God has hidden His face from us. So what is to be done? Notice that Isaiah cries out again for God to take unilateral action. Surely God can break the cycle, stop the punishment, and restore his people to himself. Now, Advent is a season pregnant with the promise of renewal. Amidst the acknowledgement of sin, Isaiah points to the hope that is found in God. Listen to verse 9, the hope for Advent renewal. Yet, Lord, yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Verse 9, do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. Today, God invites us to transformation. To transformation to a renewal of heart and spirit. Now, it's very interesting to note that in verse 6, the phrase, all of us, we all, uses the same Hebrew word twice as confession. And here in verse 8, the words we and all come twice as a plea. Listen to this, my friends. We have a God who is unchanging in grace and mercy. And this is the ground for continual pleading. In his holy hostility to sin and sinners, we have an unchanging God. You know, these verses are among the few places in the Hebrew Bible that God is called the Father. And the emphasis here is on the Father's function of judging and correcting behavior. Isaiah asserts that the nation exists because of God. The nation exists because of God, the Father who brought them into existence, the porter who formed the clay. And so God should not allow the people's sins to make him forget that they are his creation. And in short, this relationship of Father to his children is Permanent, permanent. Through all the ups and downs of family life, this relationship cannot be erased. You see, the potter cannot disown the pot. The pot is there only because the potter made it. Nor can the artisan, your hand, disown the artifact, work. And this is a permanent relationship. The love of the Father, the sovereign decision of the porter, and the skill of the craftsman. And here's the application. 
the children can always ask to come home. The children can always ask to come home. The pot may seek refashioning in the hand of the porter. Friends, every person, every person has choices to make regarding the meaning and purpose of life. And that every person will be held accountable for those choices. If those choices are good ones, unlimited possibilities open up. But if they are bad ones, no position or status can change the results. It does not matter if the person is a David. Sin will have its consequences. Neither does it matter if the person is an 80-year-old runaway like Moses. Obedience will reap a harvest and bear fruit in the end. Listen to this. Anyone can be converted regardless of his past life. Anyone can be converted regardless of his past life. Today, you can become a new person in Christ. It does not matter what you have done or what kind of background you come from because God can remake you. God can remake you. God can bring something beautiful and bright out of you. But my friends, you need to take the first step to begin your new life in Christ. You can scan this QR code which will bring you to our church website to connect with us and you can indicate there I would like to know about the Christian faith and we will get in touch with you. So I invite those of you who have yet to know the Lord Jesus to make the choice today to those who are online as well. Hear this, God is our Father and we are His people. And then the theme of Isaiah chapter 63 to 66 is a praying people and a promising God. Friends, prayer is a means of seeking God's presence. And as we journey through Advent, let us heed the cry of Isaiah. In our longing for God's presence, we find the pathway to renewal. This season of Advent is an invitation to all of us to open our hearts, to open our hearts to repent, to hope, and to actively participate in the renewal that God offers. Now, how can you actively participate in the Advent renewal? Here are three things that you can do. And I close with this. Number one, devote one hour to prayer at our Monday Wesley prayer service. Just one hour, once a month. Every first Wednesday of the month, would you join us in prayer at this last prayer service of the year, 6th of December, 8pm over Zoom. Number two, engage in acts of love and service to embody the Advent spirit. Would you invite your pre-believing loved ones to CCIS 
celebrate Christmas in Singapore? Would you bring them to the hospitality booths to experience Christmas at Orchard? Just outside Takashimaya, 19th to 22nd of December, anytime between 6 to 10 p.m. Invite your friends to our Carers by Candlelight, 21st of December, 8 p.m. in the sanctuary. Would you bring your loved ones to our Christmas services here in the hall for the prayer and prayer services or in the sanctuary for the traditional service? And number three, and this is very important, make room for God in your life. Would you make room for God in your life? Would you turn away from whatever hinders your relationship with God? It could be your addictions or anything that prevents you from drawing close to God. I want to invite you to cultivate a spirit of Advent renewal through intentional practices like having consistent time with God, regular prayer, or daily Bible reading. And may the longing of our hearts be met with the assurance that God our Father hears and responds to the cries of our hearts. Let us pray. Let's continue to allow the Word of God to sing into our hearts as we respond to Him. What is God saying to you today? And what is God saying to you about your relationship with God? I invite us to just take a few moments to pray. And even as you do so, I invite you to just Ask the Lord to bring to your mind someone who has yet to know the Lord. Earlier, we have issued out the prayer card for Alpha to ask you to list down five names. Perhaps we may not think of five names right now. Would you ask God to just surface to you just one person, someone who is so close to your heart, whom you want to cry out to Him that this person may also come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you in faith write down that name on that prayer card and continue to cry out to God for His salvation for this particular person and bring this person to our upcoming Alpha. You may not need to wait till the Alpha intro dinner you can bring them, the person, to our Christmas services or carers by candlelight. But you commit that person to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, in this season of Advent, we cry out for your presence to rend the heavens and come down. And as we acknowledge our brokenness and sin, we hold unto the hope of renewal 
found in you. Help us, O oh God, to actively seek your presence, to turn away from that which separates us from you, and to embrace the transformative journey of Advent. Take away any distractions in our lives that block us from worshipping you this Advent. And as we celebrate the first Advent, the first coming, we look forward where we will see you face to face. Refine us, O God. Refashion us to the kind of person that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.